It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. Welcome to the Agriculture Conversation here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. Our topic today is grizzly bears. We've had previous podcasts on this very topic with the same guest, rancher Trina Joe Bradley. When we come back, we'll talk about how 2020 calving is going up on the Bradley Ranch, along with other issues all centering around grizzly bears. Don't go away. We have this message from the Montana Farm Bureau. As a Montana Farm Bureau member, you have access to a lot of valuable benefits. Now you can have your savings on the go with the Farm Bureau Member Benefits app. The app will show you where you can use your membership discounts with Granger, Case IH, Choice Hotels, John Deere, and more. Plus, with the app, your membership card is on your phone for easy access. It's free. Download the app today. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Farm Bureau Benefits app. Montana Farm Bureau. We care for the country. As we come back today, we are going to turn our attention once again up to the Rocky Mountain Front to Birch Creek. That's right outside of Valier. Our friend uh, Trina Joe Bradley joins us here today from the ranch. Trina, how are things going here at the start of your week? Awesome. The sun is shining. We just started calving about four days ago, and all the calves have ears. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice to to not be uh, like negative 10 degrees here as we as we start calving. But uh, one thing that actually really scared me the other day, Trito, uh, you posted on Facebook, you're going through the brush and pretty <laughs> dense brush looking for a cow and her baby. And the whole time, I'm just like, I hope a grizzly bear doesn't jump up in this video. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I hope a grizzly bear does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't. For, for our friends listening, of course, uh, Trina and her family, uh, they ranch in grizzly bear country. Trina is a great advocate for agriculture. She shows up to the meetings and she represents agriculture's interests on grizzly issues. But uh, Trina, what are your concerns right now as uh, we come into calving season and as grizzlies prepare to come out of hibernation up there? Well, um, that's the issue. So uh, a little background, we used to start calving the beginning of February, um, and so we'd be almost done by now. Um, But we set it back, we pushed it back because we just couldn't handle the winters anymore. It was just too much work for the two of us. So the issue there is the grizzly bears are already out up here. There's been there's been bears seen on Birch Creek. There's been bears by Shoto. There's been a, a bear seen clear out on the Morass River already um, since probably the middle of February. They get up early here, especially when we have weather like this. So, yeah, the bears are out. So as I was walking through that brush looking for that little calf, I was thinking that. Um, I felt pretty safe, but, you know. But so that's how... That's how we feel all day long, though. You know, I mean, I have to go check the cows in the dark, so I have to go down through all that brush and look for those calves and and see what's going on. And I'm on my four-wheeler, but I also have to get off to open gates and I have to get off the four-wheeler to walk through the cows, and you never know what you're going to run into. So that's what I want people to picture is wandering around out in the darkness in the trees not knowing where the bears might be. And since most of our bears are nocturnal, 
that's when they're up looking for afterbirth and, and whatever they can find. So it is super creepy. Well, and from a previous conversation we've had on this podcast, uh, we talked about how these bears truly aren't scared of humans. And that that's a real cause for concern as well. Exactly. It is. You know, we have we have bears that we never see, and, and that's okay. But we have a lot of bears that have grown up here on these ranches, not necessarily this one, but, you know, the surrounding ranches or whatever. So they're used to being around cows and horses and people and buildings. So they just roam around and come and go as they please. And, and maybe they're not the ones that are eating calves or, or whatever, but they're still there. And if you run into one in the darkness, it's probably not going to be pleasant. So, Trina, can we talk about uh, some of the roles that you play in, in being an advocate and a voice for, for ranchers like like yourself up in that region, um, from the advisory committees you uh, serve on to the, the agriculture groups and also all the way up uh, to USDA APHIS? Could you maybe expand upon those? Sure, yeah. So I started this grizzly bear journey about, oh, well, I, I guess I first started it when I was born, but I've started actively advocating and going to meetings about five or six years ago, and so I worked, I was the grizzly bear representative on the Mariah River Livestock Association. Um, I am currently one of the people that works on grizzly bears for the Blackfeet Nation Stock Growers Association, and then I was appointed to the Governor's Grizzly Bear Advisory Council, and almost at the same time that I was appointed to that, I was also appointed to the USDA APHIS Wildlife Services National Advisory Committee that covers all of wildlife services all over America, which is really cool. So I got to go all the way to Washington, D.C. in September to advocate for ranchers on the front that are dealing with these grizzly bears. So I'm, I'm hoping that all of these efforts that I'm making and all of these places that I serve on will actually uh, produce some results at some point. <laughs> well, well, or, like, or at least I'm trying. <laughs> well, it, it takes a lot of hours and time away from the operation, so I truly do thank you for, for being uh, uh, stepping up and taking up uh, these tasks on behalf of your fellow ranchers. But I think that hard work is paying off. Uh, You know, I I look back to uh, September 2019 uh, when the Public Lands Council had their national meeting up in Great Falls. That's also when uh, Mm -hmm. your part of the country got a few feet of snow and it really threw off that that (laughs) whole meeting. But that was the first time that Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt, actually visited Montana. He spoke at the Public Lands Council. Council event, and then he was back just a few weeks later with Representative Greg Gianforte up in your neck of the woods, looking at these issues, uh, hearing from people like you on the impact that uh, the grizzly bears have on uh, agriculture, and of course, just on people's nerves up in that part of the country. Um, and we actually heard some pretty uh, decent news in terms of of trying to get some uh, uh, services and some money headed uh, up into this direction of the country. Uh, could you maybe talk more about the Department of Interior's recent announcement on getting some funding for USDA APHIS's uh, uh, work with grizzly bears? Yeah, so one of the one of the things that I've really been preaching um, and what I took to D.C. with me in September was we need more funding for wildlife services 
and we also need more people working for wildlife services in this area. I mean, these guys are run ragged in the summertime, and there aren't enough of them to keep up. And there's no there's no grizzly bear funding coming in for them to to do their work or to or to have um, wildlife services people that are only dedicated to grizzly bears so the other ones can keep working on coyote management, which is a huge issue further east of here. So that's what we've really, really been asking for. And so when, when Secretary Bernhardt announced that he was going to be providing more funding to wildlife services to hire additional bear conflict specialists, I was overjoyed because... That is exactly what we need, and that's exactly what we have asked for. And so I was really, I was really excited when he came out here in October, but I was uh, hesitant to get my hopes up because you know we get promised a lot of things up here and then never, <laughs> never get them. But he actually came through, and um, I've had several conversations with uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services since he came here asking what do you guys exactly want so we can tell him what you know what he needs to do and whatever and so that's been really awesome so i'm hoping that that means that we can make our guy in glacier a permanent employee not in glacier in glacier county a permanent employee and then also get a couple more guys up in this area so they don't have such a huge area to cover so what are some of the duties that these individuals will be providing uh, the, the ranching community, and not just the ranching community, uh, just just in uh, being able to follow the regulations under the Endangered Species Act with these grizzly bears to make sure that uh, predation is, is addressed, but also that bears hopefully can be uh, pushed away from some of these operations as well? What, what do those duties look like? So... As far as wildlife services, they do a lot of uh, electric fencing. Um, actually, they just hired someone, and that's his entire job is putting up electric fences for people. And he has been a great asset because those other guys don't have time for that. So he can come in, put up some fences, and keep those bears out of the livestock, out of the sheep or the calves or, or whatever you're trying to fence the bears out of. And that makes a huge difference. And then the other part of wildlife services is if we do have a depredation, they show up right away and they're very good at what they do. And they do their their research and they figure out what killed that animal and then they set traps and they're very good at that too. Um, and that, we have a really great relationship with wildlife services. And I'm not saying we, as in my husband and I, we do too, but I mean everyone on the front. We they're they're awesome to work with, and and they love their jobs, and they're dedicated to their jobs. So having them up here is really helpful, and having more of them will be more helpful. The other thing that helps with prevention is I don't know if you saw it, but U.S. Fish and Wildlife just released an updated hazing guideline. Um, and so that gives us a few more freedoms in the, in the ways that we can actually keep bears away from our homes and away from our livestock. We still can't shoot them. We can't shoot at them, but we can, we can actively move them away from our, 
livestock where we were really limited before by the law. So that was another one of Bernhardt's announcements, and that I think will help a lot with just keeping people safe and keeping our livestock safe. Trina, could you maybe explain, I know there's a lot of folks out there that maybe get confused by all these entities that we hear about. We hear about wildlife services, that of course is USDA APHIS, wildlife services, mm-hmm. but then we, we talk about U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and then we talk about Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. It can be really confusing maybe for someone to make a report if they see a grizzly bear uh, in some cattle or if they see uh, some livestock killed and they maybe haven't had that interaction with these different agencies. Uh, I, I know it can be tough to talk about or, or explain, but do you have a, a quick way to explain that to people? <laughs> um. I have a quick way to explain it. I don't know if it's any more understandable, but so USDA Wildlife Services only comes in if there's a depredation. If if your livestock was killed by a wild animal, that's when you call them. If you just have a grizzly bear, say, eating your apples off your apple tree, then you would call Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks because Wildlife Services has nothing to do with that. And then where U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service comes in, is they're the they're the overseer, the the actual managers of the grizzly bears, and they're the ones that make the final call on what happens to a bear uh, when it's trapped and whatever. And and that's where the Department of Interior is. So I don't know if that's helpful. Wildlife Services and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service get combined a lot because they sound so similar, but they're very very different associations, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. So with these new hazing guidelines, uh, and maybe I, I, I actually haven't seen these yet, but uh, if you if you do see a bear and maybe they aren't necessarily in your livestock, do you have the ability then to, to utilize these new guidelines to push them away? Or do you first have to call Fish, Wildlife, and Parks before you start the hazing process? What, what, what does that look like? No, this is more for, you know, landowners out in the country or livestock producers or whatever. This is just like, you know, if I have a bear that's in my yard, obviously it doesn't belong there. Even though it's not hurting anything, bears shouldn't be right next to my house. So I have the, I have the right now to go out and get in my vehicle and kind of slowly move it away or shoot some cracker shells or uh, paintballs were just added to the list which is cool because obviously you're probably not going to get, you're probably not going to die from getting hit with a paintball, but it might hurt. Um, or you just might so make the bear So we haven't really been able mad. to use those before. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's those kind of things. You don't have to, I mean, you can report it, but you're not required to. The only time you're required to report something is if you actually kill a bear. That's the only time you're actually required to call someone. Even if they kill your livestock, you don't have to call them. If you don't want to, but that would be not very helpful. So on, on social media, we, we see a lot of posts around grizzly bears up in up in that neck of the woods, and I think there's a lot of misinformation that comes out sometimes just from all the the 
people that don't check facts or they just kind of share their opinions on things. Uh, how important is it for ranchers and for people online to, to make sure that they have have the right facts in, in place before they start posting pictures or, or posting information on uh, on Facebook pages? It's very important. It's it's probably the most important thing on social media because we we as ranchers and livestock producers already are the bad guys because we don't want the bears here. So when we post things, it has to be the truth um, because otherwise we're just we're just making ourselves look like bigger jerks. So I'm sure you saw that picture of the grizzly bear in the haystack yep. that was all over Facebook like last week and people were just up in arms oh my gosh this, these grizzly bears are already out and we need to shoot them all and whatever well that was a picture from last fall and it was easy to figure that out because it was a Facebook picture and all you had to do was click on it and it said posted in September so instead of saying hey look at this picture that we just found from last fall isn't it cool all these people are saying, look at this, this is why we need to kill all the bears. And, uh, you know, that's not helping anyone. That is, that is the opposite of what we're trying to do here. So as we look at some of these long-term goals for the grizzly bear, for getting the bears in this part of the nation delisted from the Endangered Species Act, what, what are some key things that you and your fellow ranchers and advisory council members would like to see here in the next uh, few years in terms of having the bears delisted, uh, making sure that management is still in place, but, but it truly just shows that the Endangered Species Act has served its purpose in letting these bears recover. Uh, wh- what do you want to see as a rancher? Mostly um, really good management of grizzly bears, and that can come regardless of whether they're delisted or not. I mean, even even while they're on the list, they could be managed better. And by better, I mean if you have a grizzly killing calves or sheep or whatever, it needs to be taken out on the first offense because it's not going to stop once it starts. And a lot of times it's sows with cubs that are doing it, and they get caught and they get moved and they come back and do it again and they get moved. And... You know, when the grizzly bears were in the recovery stage, it was important to keep the females and the cubs alive, you know, because obviously they need to reproduce. But at this point, our bears are very much recovered, and all those females are doing, and all they have been doing for the last 40 years is teaching their kids how to kill animals too. So instead of having one bear that comes in and kills a cow and gets taken out and the other bears are just fine and minding their own business, now you have a sow coming in teaching her cubs, then they grow up, and then you have four bears killing livestock, and then you have ten bears killing livestock, you know, and they just keep going generation after generation. And that has not done a bit of good for anyone, including the bears, and that is why ranchers are so frustrated with the management because there there hasn't been good management. Well, and you mentioned that ranchers are always portrayed as the bad guys, but I, I agree with you that uh, people in agriculture uh, do a pretty good job of putting black eyes on themselves by inciting misinformation or attacking each other or people that they disagree with on Facebook or social media platforms. Uh, we all need to get better about this and not do it mm-hmm. because it gives a black eye on the whole industry. But mm-hmm. you probably have to interact with a lot of folks that uh, 
that truly do view uh, uh, ranchers and probably yourself because you're more vocal, you're out in the spotlight advocating on these issues that view you probably as the devil. How, how do you interact with them? How, how do you uh, stick to specifics, to facts, and just sharing your story? How, how, how do those interactions go for our listeners at home? What I've actually found is when I get to a meeting and there's, I call them hippies, and maybe that's the not nice thing to call them, but I say there's hippies there. And the hippies will look at me as a rancher and they will say, well, she hates bears and she wants them all to die and she's the bad guy. But then once I start talking to them and I say, you know, I don't want all the bears to die. I actually enjoy seeing bears on my ranch, just not out my front door. I don't care if they're here as long as they mind their own business and mind their manners. So actually what happens is when we can have those kind of conversations, when we're not just running around with pitchforks and torches saying we need to kill all the bears, what happens is those people start seeing us as people. And they start seeing us as moms and dads and people that are living here trying to make a living. And they look at my little girl and they're like, wow, she really lives there where the bears are, where she could get eaten if she goes walking down the road. And so what happens is then we build this bridge of communication and they realize that we're not the people that they need to hate. We're just the people that are frustrated with the way things are going. And we've seen that a lot um, just on our council of 18 people. There's been, you know, they came in with their ideas of of how it was going to be talking to me and Kristen Kipp especially, and, and they were just blown away by the fact that we actually like bears. We just want them to be managed so that they behave themselves. So I think the key to that is having a conversation with these people instead of just trying to shove your beliefs down their throat or or run over them or, or being these crazy pitchfork-toting people that just want to kill everything and and whatever. Mm-hmm. So there are some people that you can't talk to. There are some people that you can't reason with. And we're always going to be the bad guy to somebody. But as long as we're having those conversations, I think that's the most important part of this. Well, Trina, I know it's probably been a long day and you got things still to uh, do here this evening, but is there anything else that you would just like to share, maybe a a message to the Interior Department and and those who have helped to make some some strides and changes in in, in addressing the issues that you've faced and advocate on and and anything else that you would just maybe like uh, the listeners of the podcast to know? Um, yeah, a few things. First, I really do appreciate um, Representative Gianforte and Senator Danes' work on this. I appreciate Secretary Bernhardt coming out and listening to us talk to him and, and really hearing us and making some changes to help us out. And a pat on the back to everybody that worked on this and has been sending letters and having meetings and whatever. And then the last thing I want to mention is next week, our... Grizzly Bear Advisory Council is meeting in Shoto, Montana on Thursday and Friday, the 19th and 20th. So I would encourage everyone to come to our meeting. The entire thing is open to the public, and everyone can come in and see what we're actually doing.
Well, great. Uh, I encourage everyone to, to check out those meetings and uh, show up, listen, and have your voice heard, and uh, make sure and share facts and your story like, like Trina was just sharing with us here today. Again, Trina Joe Bradley, thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. Uh, good luck with calving. Hopefully you don't have to crawl through that brush too much and come face-to-face <laughs> face face with a bear. I hope not, but I'll take a picture if I do. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I'll get you a beer. The next round when we see each other is on me uh, for having to crawl All through right. that brush because I am not man <laughs> enough to do that. I'm. We got snakes in my country. That's about it. Rattlesnakes. Not oh, grizzly I don't bears, like so. snakes. But uh, again, no. Trina, thank you so much for joining us. And I would encourage our listeners, if you want to learn more about Trina Joe Bradley, go to her advocacy facebook page is trina joe bradley mt advocate so mt a-g-v-o-c-a-t-e i'll have a description of that here in the podcast link and on my website nordlandcommunications.com well trina thank you so much for joining us here today no problem thank you all right well friends that will do it for today's Langcast. we'll catch you next time thank you for tuning into the Langcast with talk and ag lane nordland for more on lane check out his facebook page lane nordland ag broadcaster and nordlandcommunications.com don't forget to subscribe to the Langcast on your apple or android devices we look forward to joining you next time on the Langcast.